chapter 5. Hallelujah. We're, we're going to minister on a faith outline this morning. Hallelujah. Children, children, yes, yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. Children's church. Praise God. We're going to children's church this morning. 1 John chapter 5. Look, let's look at a faith. Let's get a little faith lesson this morning. Because we all have to do what we do by faith. Look in chapter 5. It says in verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Are you all born of God? Yeah. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says, God's Word says, that you and I overcome the world. It may not feel like it. It sure doesn't look like it some days. But the Bible says that we are the world overcomers. And then he tells us how. He says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. Say it with me. Even our faith. So faith is important. Faith is how you overcome the world. Faith is the transaction that gives you your victory. Your faith gives you your victory. Not my faith gives you your victory. Not your faith gives me my victory. We help one another with our faith with one another. But it's your faith that gives you your victory. It's not work that gives you a victory. Could I have a better amen? It's not work that gives you your victory. Oh, you can talk all to the, uh, you climb to the top of the corporate ladder. You can be the richest man in the world. And uh, there, he's an American. And then all sorts of other people got more money than they can spend. But that's not their victory. It's not money. It's not even money that gives you your victory. I know we scratch and claw for it. We look for it, try to get it, keep it. But that's not your victory. Uh, fame is not your victory. This would be a brand new. This would be news to know to the Hollywood people that they do not have the victory just because we know their name. Amen. It's not success where you say, "Well, I'm 50 years old and I got this company and I got that and I'm real successful." That doesn't mean you have victory at all. It's certainly not beauty. There's some pretty girls out there. There's some handsome men out there, and they think they've got the victory. But uh, as you know, looks come and looks certainly go. Hallelujah. So faith is the victory. So what would we be chasing? What would we be pursuing? What would we be studying? What would we be putting in our life and building up is what gives us the victory. Because everybody wants the victory. Nobody wants to be second or worse. They want to have the victory. So... Let's turn to Hebrews. Let's talk about how faith has to finish to win. It doesn't matter how you start, Hebrews chapter 6. doesn't matter how you start. doesn't matter how good you go along in your faith journey. You have to finish. Point to yourself with me and say this, I, I must finish my faith walk. You got to finish. You got to follow through. You got to complete the faith thing because a halfway baked, a half finished faith walk gives you no more than if you didn't start at all. It says in chapter 6, verse 12, that, that ye be not slothful, the word there is lazy, don't be lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience, patience, so there's a time lapse in here. It's not one and done, is it? It's not like, well, I got the faith this morning and I got it done this afternoon. Through faith and patience, inherit the promises. So there's going to be some time. There's going to be some standing. There's going to be some waiting, some pressing in. Uh, Ephesians 6 says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Y'all know about faith. Amen. So we have to work in that. 
Do y'all know the woman with the issue of blood? She had to touch the hem of his garment. It wasn't good enough to say, I'm, I'm working on it. Someday I might. She did not get healed until she touched, till she finished her faith quest. Uh, Abraham, we just talked about that, how he had to raise the knife to Isaac. He couldn't think it through and just tell it to God in his thoughts, hey, I, I'm, I'm your boy. I can take this. I'll handle this. He had to literally raise the knife and start coming down into the chest of his only son for God to say, you did it. Your faith is finished. Y'all remember the four friends that had the paralytic that was on a gurney, and they came to the door where Jesus was in the house, and the, the, the room was so packed that they couldn't even open the door for them to get in. What happened? Well, they all went home and said, well, we, we did the best we could. Well, we, we tried. Oh, well, we get a need for effort. No, none of those things. What they did is they found a way to get their faith finished. The Bible says they climbed up on the roof. They pulled the roof off. Ah, how's that happen? And they lowered him down, and the man got healed. So the four friends had to find a way to finish their faith. You and I have to find a way to finish our faith. Now, we know some people that didn't finish. Remember the rich young ruler? He came to the Lord and said, hey, I am your man. I've done this, and I've done that from my youth. I am I'm lined up to be your man. And Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. Go and give to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me. And the Bible says this rich young ruler, this good man uh, that had uh, followed the law and had prospered by it, that he went away sorrowful because he had much. So he didn't finish his faith walk, did he? He got, he got a zero. Uh, we know that the 11 that were in the boat with Peter, there was 12 of them in the boat, and Peter said uh, when Jesus started walking by on the sea, Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. And Peter, the Lord said, it's me, come. And so uh, Peter got out of the boat. But who didn't get out of the boat? There was 11 that could have got out of the boat. Same Jesus, same boat, same, same waves, everything was the same. So Peter finished his faith, but the 11 did not. Do you all know about Thomas, the disciple that said, I know y'all say that Jesus was here, that he was resurrected, and he was bodily here. But unless I see my uh, see the wounds in him, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And so he got a zero on his assignment, his faith uh, assignment that day. You know, Judas could not let go of the 30 pieces of silver. He sold out the Lord Jesus pretty cheap. A lot of money back then. But nevertheless, it was the price of a slave. Nevertheless, he could not let go even though he had many opportunities. So we have faith finishers, and we have faith failures. We have to finish our faith. It doesn't matter that you've been in your faith fight for 20 years. Uh, the Bible says that Joseph, who was sold out by his brothers into Egypt, was in the dungeon unlawfully, unfairly, unjustly, was in the dungeon anywhere from 10 to 15 years and uh, got no justice. And yet he kept himself strong, he believed God all the way. Would have been easy to give up after 10 or 12 years. Y'all agree? There's a time lapse there, and nothing is happening. No word from God, no prophet coming by saying, oh, God knows where you're at, but he stayed steady and he inherited the promises. Well, sometimes it takes longer than we think it should. Every time I think it takes longer than it should. I'm always ready way before God seems to be. 
Part of it's not him, it's part of it's me, that I'm not nearly in faith as much as I think I am. And as soon as I pull the trigger, then it happens. So we're talking about the contradiction of our faith. We're talking about the discrepancy of our faith or the disparity of our faith, that what we, what we release and, and by faith does not get backed up with our senses. That we say what the Word says, but we don't see what the Word says, at least not for a while. And it causes a great, great contribution, contradiction. The Bible says that by his stripes ye were healed, but you feel like old Billy. And the doctor says, you are old Billy. It's not happening. It's bad, just like these testimonies. You'll never have this in your life. It'll always be this way or worse. And yet, and yet, they believed God for healing, and prayer caused it to come about. So here's, here's, here's the contradiction. Here's the faith contradiction. We are trying uh, to be comfortable with time. We, we want the time to be short. We want the evidence to be incremental. We want to have evidence that God's doing something. In other words, can you show me a sign? Can you give me a little evidence that I'm on track and that I'm doing it right? Nope, he just gives you the word. He just gives you the word and says, believe this, get in line with this. Lord, need a little help. Could you send an angel down? I know you've got gazillions of them. Could you just have one drive by and say, you're on track. God's got this. You're okay. It's going to happen. But there's nothing. So we want that. We want that thing. We want, uh, we're, we want to be comfortable with, uh, with our senses, and we want to be comfortable with our time. But yet, even in that, we want the supernatural, which is outside of our senses and outside of time. In other words, we want the miracle. Do you all want the miracle? But we want it now. And we want it to be uh, confirmed along the way. That would be the perfect faith that God would say uh, you'd get a weekly update. Yep, it's, it's getting closer. Yep, just hang in there. We'd go, okay, God says hang in there. I'm, I'm good for another week. But we get none. We get nothing. We get nothing. It's just like, where are you, Lord? Well, we have to read the Word, don't we? We have to get in there, and He comforts us with the Word. He confirms it in the Word. And uh, we just keep staying steady. But there's a contradiction between what we see and feel and what the Word of God says. We want the supernatural. We want to have a life that's bigger and better than what we can naturally do. Just go to work and earn $1,000 a week. Woo-hoo, that'd be great. Yeah, let's get $1,000 a week at work and everything will be great. Well, unless you got bills of 1200 a week. Unless you got a vision or a dream that's $1,500 a week, then it's not enough. We need the supernatural. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 4. Let's look at what the Bible says about this contradiction, this disparity, this, this discrepancy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've looked at it several times, but we'll, let's just plug it in. We're taking a little faith lesson, a little faith lap this morning. It says in verse 17, Paul addresses exactly the faith contradiction. What you and I are feeling when we're standing in faith that things are going to be better according to the Word of God, but nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. And it hadn't been happening for a month and for a year and for five years. And nothing is happening. And we are wanting to get weary in well-doing. But he says in verse 17, 
Our light affliction. Say pressure. Our light pressure, something that's on us, always pressing, which is but for a moment. Isn't it funny how the Lord says just a year or two or five is just a moment. He said, ah, that's no time at all compared to what's going on. He said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So he says it's worth the weight. It's worth the press. It's worth the contradiction to have to settle your senses down and say, calm down. Calm down, soul. The Bible says, the Word of God says, it's going to be fine. It is fine. Calm down in there. The Word is true. God's, God is faithful. He's going to follow through here. Don't get excited about time. I know it's been a little while, but the Word is working. And so we just have to keep pressing for it. And then he goes on in verse 18 and says, how's this work? While we look not at the things which are seen. That word look means to take aim. While we don't concentrate or focus on things that are seen. You want to win in your faith? You want to get rid of the contradiction? You start focusing on the word of God versus on what's, versus what's not happening. Y'all know about what's not happening? It's, it's nowhere. There's, nothing, there's no evidence this thing's moving. If anything, I have found, it get worse. It's like, okay, we're, we need to go up, Lord, and all of a sudden we're slipping back and we're going, hey, God, are you even, are you around? Are, are you paying attention? Do you know what's going on over here? This was bad and now it's badder. It's worser. It's not as good as it was. What is going on? And we get excited. We get wound up and we start questioning things. We start questioning whether this is true. We start questioning whether we're in faith about it. We start questioning everything. Then people start developing weird doctrine. And they start changing what the Bible says because it's not coming to pass like they thought it should. Wrong move. Stay with the Word. So let's turn to Romans chapter 4. Let's look at another contradiction, another disparity. Romans chapter 4. Go west just a little bit. Look in verse uh, 18. We're talking here about the very story we were uh, mentioning in the offering. Verse 18. So God has promised Abraham a son. He's old as a tree. And uh, things are not happening. It's been years since the promise came. It's been a long time and nothing is happening. And so Abraham has great temptation, like all of us, to say something about what's going on. But the Bible says that the reason that Abraham is the father of faith is because he stayed steady. Turn to yourself and say, hey, you, stay steady. That's what you got to do. You got to factor out time. You got to factor out what you thought would happen. Well, the way I figured that God's going to do it is He's going to give me a promotion at work, and I'm going to get up in this executive position, and then I'm going to have the money to take care of this, and that's how it's going to work. Well, when that doesn't happen, when Leroy comes by and gets that promotion instead of you, and when all of a sudden they shift you to another department that doesn't look like it's going anywhere, all of a sudden what you expected or figured or, or connived is not happening. And it, God never said that was going to happen. But we thought that was going to happen, and we get disappointed. And God's innocent in this. He never said we're going to go over to that place. 
He's got a hundred ways to do things. If you and I can figure out one, he can figure out a hundred. I'll show you how that works. And it says, so Abraham, the reason he was great is not because he climbed every mountain and swam every sea, not because he walked across coals or because he went hungry for 40 days and 40 nights. It says, who against hope believed in hope. So against natural hope, what was going on, he was older than, he was older than dirt, and, and she was real old too. Nothing was going on. Nothing should be going on. Nobody would even say, why aren't y'all having some kids when you're in your 70s, 80s, and 90s? Nobody was saying that's what should be going on. They just said, y'all need to accept this. But against hope, against that, he believed in hope, the supernatural hope. What was that hope? It was the word of the Lord that said, I will make you a father of many nations. That was the supernatural hope. We have that supernatural hope in here. He may not appear to you like he did Abraham. There was no word then, but he'll give you his word nevertheless by appearing, uh, by appearing to you in this black ink on white paper. He'll start talking to you. When you read the book that says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that's just like he appeared. Actually, it's greater. It's more substantial than if he appeared to you at the front door. That stuff's subject to this and that, but the word is not subject to anything funny. It always works. So he says in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to what? what? That which was spoken. What was spoken? So shall thy seed be. And here it is, verse 19, and being not weak in faith. So we point to ourselves, point to yourself and say, hey you, don't be weak in faith. And then it goes on. It says, not, he, he considered not his own body. Well, you that was Abraham, but you might have to consider not your finances. Well, I just make, I just make $15 an hour. How am I going to be able to fund this and take care of that and be on the mission field? I'm not doing anything. Uh, you have to consider not your own money. You go, well, that's the only way God can bless me. That's not the only way. That's man's way. It is a way, but it is, it's the way that everybody figured out. But God's got a thousand ways. And not being uh, weak in faith, he considered not his own, he considered not his, uh, his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He paid no attention to natural. And here you gotta go. You gotta step out of your senses. You gotta step over. Well, how are you gonna step out of your senses? You have to step into the Word of God. You have to say, this thing is more true than what I see, what I feel, what's going on around me. This is more true. My circumstances say this is true, but in fact, it is just a fact. But the word is true. He considered not his own body. He considered not. No consideration. Well, the doctor says... And they're always right. And they've had it confirmed. And three of them looked at it. And they did another test. And that thing is absolutely there. And that thing is absolutely growing. And that thing is absolutely terminal. And that thing and that thing and that thing. <laughs> of course you'll have all that. It will be impossible. It'll be a situation that cannot be reasoned out in the natural realm. So you have to go to this. But it doesn't have to be a terminal situation to get in faith. We ought to get in faith about everything. Everything. So it says in verse 19, not being weak in faith, he considered not his body now dead, 
neither yet uh, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. In verse 20, I hope you have a star around verse 20. I hope you have a little circle around verse 20. I hope you've got this thing highlighted in green and red and in purple. It says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. There are some staggering promises out there. Uh, he will supply all of your need. That is staggering. And you go, okay, I need $20. Well, $20 is nothing. But what when you need $20,000? You have no wheels. You have no ride. You have no way to get around. And they, you go down to the car lot and they say it'll take twenty grand, And you have no credit. And you, we're not letting you have anything. You just quit looking at that car. You, we don't even let you look at it. And you need, you need. And you go to God, you go to his word, and you say, this is the need. I will supply it. I'll take care of it. He staggered not. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully, fully, absolutely to the end, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. There it is. That's faith 101. But how does it work? Faith holds the line when pressure to quit comes. And it always comes. You go, well, I didn't know it was going to happen this way. Well, we all didn't like the, the pushback. Lisa said, you know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's always pushback on your faith. If you don't have pushback, you don't have faith. You're not in faith about anything if you're not tempted to quit. If there's not, if there's not a contradiction going on in your life where you, you, the Word says one thing, but your situation says another, then you're just not in faith because it's smooth sailing in the natural realm until it's not. Con contradiction is when what you see and what the Word says are absolutely opposite. So, faith holds the line when uh, there's pressure to quit. Uh, it, it's where, like Abraham, is where you get your joy from what the Word says versus what people say. It's like, ah, the Word says it's good. He supplies all my need. The Word says it, I'm happy about that. Well, the bank says they won't loan you the money, and they say you can't have the money, and they say your credit's no good, and all that. Ah, the Word says, the Word says, the Word says. I know I wrecked my credit. I know I was foolish. I know it was crazy what I did. I know I deserve all that in the natural. But now I'm a new creation in Christ. I've changed and I've asked God to help me. And the good thing about God, oh, this is the thing I love to tell about God, is that he meets us wherever we're at. I tell you, you're like, well, I don't deserve. Well, yeah, we don't. None of us do. But we deserve because of Jesus, so we deserve. I said, we deserve because of Jesus, therefore we deserve. Don't be throwing that mess out there like I'm just an old fool, an old sinner saved by grace. I don't deserve anything. Because Jesus came, you deserve it. So we gotta, we got to change our attitude. Like, even like Lisa said, we are who he says we are. And you got to figure that one out. So uh, how do you get faith that moves mountains? Let's just start that basic. Let's turn to Romans right there. Turn to chapter 10. How do we get faith that will move a mountain? Well, I'd have to study and get holy and not do anything bad for a long time. And uh, I'd have to be real spiritual and I'd have to be in church. I'd have to pray 10 hours a day. 
Well, I guess all that stuff would help. It wouldn't hurt anything, perhaps, but that's not how you get faith. The Bible says in verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The God kind of faith comes by hearing what? The God kind of word. People tell me all the time, oh, I'm in faith. Well, what does the Bible say? I don't know. I'm just in faith. I think God will do it. Well, that, it, it, is, it is laudable that you have a confidence in God, but it won't last through the first storm. The first wind that blows through, we're going to be picking you up in pieces because you can't make it without God's Word. You can't have anything of God's unless you believe God's Word. Now, I didn't make the rules. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, if you'll put my Word in that faith will start rising up. Well, I don't want to do it that way. Well, yay, but that's how God wants you to do it. That's how we do everything else. That's how we do uh, a science. That's how we do uh, uh, everything. We hear, and then we believe, and then we act on what we heard that we believe. So it, it's the same everywhere. Suddenly, when you start hearing the Word, you start hearing and hearing and hearing the Word like you're hearing right now, Faith begins to rise up. I can tell you right now, in this place right now, faith is rising up. You're getting a confidence, an assurance, a conviction that what God said is true, and it's true for me, and it's true for me right now. Not when I get cleaned up, not when I get in better position, not when I uh, do better, do better, I need to do better for God. No, that's not grace. That's just plain old works. He wants to do for you right now. Amen? So... Suddenly, as you hear the Word, we're, we're, we're reading through the Bible, not the whole Bible. We're reading through the New Testament and a little more, and we're reading it every day. We're having a consistent impartation into our lives where we hear the Word. And if you can, it'd be better, way better, than not just to read the Word, which is good, but to speak the Word. Read the Word out loud. Because your ear will hear it, it will drop down through your ear gate, and it'll drop down into your spirit, man, and your spirit will believe the word that you say. I know you want to believe what I say, and there's a certain amount of openness there, but you'll believe what you say lots easier and better than you believe what I say. Amen? So, how much do you have to hear? Let's, uh, are we in second, let's turn to 2 Corinthians again. How much do you have to hear to move the mountain? Well, like, well, when will I have enough? I, will, I need a mountain to move. How much do I need to hear? Well, here's the, here's the test. It says in verse 13, it tells us what faith does, how you know when you have heard enough to move the mountain. It says we, Paul says, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. That means he's going to refer you to the Old Testament, doesn't it? He's going to tell you something that's already been written down in the Old Testament that's still true. We have in the same spirit of faith according as it is written what was written. I believed and therefore I have I spoken. That's what's in the Old Testament. So Paul said, just like it was then, we also believe and therefore speak. When do you have enough faith to move the mountain? When your faith speaks. Now we can make our mouth say anything. Uh, I, I was in a, a, a business the other day, and they had a gray, a, a gray, um, it was a gray parrot, a macaw or something. I, it was called an African gray. And they, I knew that parrots and stuff could uh, mimic voices all the time. The girl says, all the time I'm coming in there thinking the boss called me. 
And he'll say, no, it was Leroy, whatever the, whatever the parrot's name. But she says he can mimic, the, the parrot can mimic the railroad, can mimic trucks starting. I was amazed. Not just, and, and mimic so much that she thinks that her boss is calling her in there. Hey, come on in here. I got something for you. And uh, he'll, he'll just, and she'll come in there and say, no, it wasn't me. It was, they've got him in a room and he's in a cage and he's, he's up there. And she said, he's, they said he's a feisty little booger. Hallelujah. And he'll bite the snot out of you. Just, uh, you know, so fingers back. But that's, you can, you can do that. We can do that. We can say anything. We can mimic anything we hear. We can hear somebody in faith and we can start saying what they say. Or you can say what the word says, but until your own faith down in here, the faith that you've heard, until it has its own voice, there's no mountains moving. Stay with me. No mountains moving until this down here says it's moving. So you can't one and done. You can't read a scripture, by his stripes I was healed, and say that six times that morning and expect to necessarily get a miracle that afternoon. You got to put it in till it gets in down here. Well, to get in down here, it might have to displace some things. Like I am sicker than a dog, and I'm going to die, and it'll never be good again. And this is going south, and I don't like it. You're going to have to displace that with, by His stripes, I was healed. Well, there's that's a process. That's not one and done. That's not in and out. That's a process. So how do you? So you've been hearing from the doctor, hearing from your 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 uh, uh, symptoms. I'm sick. This is going south. This is not good. This is bad. You feel that, and it affirms to your head, we're we're cooked. I, you know, Aunt, Aunt Nelda, she died of this. You know, he's real good about remembering stuff. You you couldn't remember what you ate for lunch yesterday, but the devil will get you to remember bad things that'll affirm his pro, his program. You'll always remember what Elton Elder went through, and you get to thinking, I've got what she's got. So you have to put the word in, and it begins to displace. It confronts the symptoms. It confronts the situation. It starts talking to the mountain, but it's not ready until it comes out of your mouth and says, Mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into sea, and does not doubt in his heart, Mark eleven twenty three, but believes those things which he saith, out of here, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever what he saith. Not what God saith, but what he saith that God saith. So it's not just like, well, God, I need you to heal me. He said, well, put my word in. And that word will come out of your mouth and it'll speak to the mountain in a way that the mountain will have to go. You go, well, that's crazy. Well, it's in the Bible. It's crazy that you could just confess that you're a sinner and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and all of a sudden be made into a new creation. And all of a sudden God's saying, that man who's done unspeakable things and has not ever cared about spiritual things and has done his own way and been mean to people, suddenly he is my favorite, I love him, and I'm bringing him to heaven with me. That's what's crazy. But that's what we all believe. Do you all believe that? you all believe in being a new creature in Christ? Yeah. So, so we cut off what was and put on what's new. Suddenly, everything's changed because of the supernatural, because of the Word of God. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. How does faith work? 
That's what I want to tell you this morning. We're doing a little faith primer, Hebrews chapter 11. I'd be right after chapter 10. <laughs> that was smarty mouth, wasn't it? Hallelujah. Okay, verse 1. Y'all liking this? I'm, that's going to help you if you'll put it in order. It'll work every time. It'll work all the time that you put it in order. Now, faith. Okay, we're going to find out what faith is. Faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence. The evidence. Faith is an evidence. It's a substance. It's the evidence of things not seen. So right there we have the discrepancy. We have the contradiction. Faith is saying it is. But what we see says it isn't. Is that right? Is that what it says? Faith is the evidence of things, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It says that faith is more real than what you can see and feel and know and remember and experience. Faith is more real, more substantive, more reliable, will come through when the other can't. That's what the Bible says. Faith can do that. Then it goes on in verse 3, through faith. So now it's going to tell us what faith does. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that, how does it work? So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So now it's telling us that faith is not only the substance of things hoped for, and that it's an evidence of things not seen, that it's, it's well, where is it? I, where is what I believed for? Where is what I've called for? Well, faith says until it gets here, I'm going to be a place marker. I'm going to hold it until you can see it. It's coming. It's on its way. But you can have a confidence that it's here, even though you can't see it because of faith. And he said, because of faith, you can see that things Things that are seen, what are they made of? He said, not of things that are seen. It's made of things not seen. Oh, well, if God made the world out of things that are not seen, then he wants me to move the mountain with things that are not seen. So suddenly he wants me to operate in the supernatural. Well, I'm very natural. Aren't you? I mean, get up every day and you, you got to put your pants on one leg at a time. Nobody's hovering. <laughs> nobody is, is just, you know, put them both on and then come back down. We're, we're standing on one, pulling up, and standing on the other and pulling up. We are so natural. We are so normally human. And God said, yeah, that's the outside man, but the inside man, the part that's coming to heaven, we're going to shuck that body and leave that body down there, and we're going to come to heaven with the real you. So uh, we, we understand this, y'all... I don't bake, of course, but we all know, we've seen people bake, and we know what they put into a cake. Y'all know what you put in a cake. They put shortening in there, and they put flour in there, and they put sugar in there. None of that stuff, listen, listen, none of that stuff looks like a cake. But when you pop that little pumpkin in there at 350 for 45 minutes, well, I better dial that back to about 40 minutes. You might burn that thing. And pull that thing out, it doesn't look like flour and sugar and... And but it looks like something else. And that's what God's saying. Everybody down here wants it to be natural. We put in what we see and we see that this is this is uh, 
uh, I need a raise at job at work, so I'm going to have to go work and, and do overtime and butter up the boss. And, and what he said, no, we're not going to put cake in the pan and bake cake. We're going to put stuff in the pan and come out with the cake. That's not complicated, but it's, but it's the way it works. And so we have to do that. We have to, listen, follow the Bible recipe. You can't follow the natural, the cooking recipe, or what's natural. You have to follow the recipe. What's the recipe? Put the Word in, and the Word will come out. Where will it come out? It'll come out of our mouth. Faith has a voice. When enough, faith, when enough Word goes in, when enough truth goes in, then it will come out, and it will create something that doesn't look like anything that went in. So whatever you do you need. Whatever, what, what do you need? Well, you, you put in what you have so you can take out what you don't have. It's reverse. Even the Bible tells us, the Lord Jesus says, the way up is down. He said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, what did he say? Be the servant of all. No, no, no. To be greatest in the kingdom, we need to go out and do great things. We need to go out and, and be political and put our money at the right places where people will uh, put us in position. That's, yeah, that's the world. But he said, no, if you want to be greatest, go in and serve. Be behind the scenes. Be selfless. Humble yourself. And I will raise you up. Oh, that's completely opposite. The word says, get this says, give, and it will be given to you. No, Lord, give, and, I, and it will be given to me. No, he says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken to, and, together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure you meet, it shall be measured again to you. So the more you give, the more that comes to you. Oh, that's crazy. The only reason y'all don't think it's crazy is because you've been around it enough. But at one time, you thought that was plum foolish. I'm not giving that. I'm not giving them my money. I need my money. To have money, I need to keep my money and get some more money. And they're telling me to give my money. Plant it. And I'll have more. Ha, ha, ha. I don't get that. And so we don't. We just, we hold on tight. We, we tip God a little and we, we, uh, well, you know what we do when we first start out. We do all that. So we got to follow the heavenly recipe. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. I want to show you something that's going to bring this to bear. We're talking about the contradiction of faith. Mark chapter 4. I want you all to know I went behind my backyard this morning. I dug, in, I dug in the ditch this morning. I got Deborah Ann to find me a mason jar, and we got us some dirt. This is fine Alabama dirt, if there's any such thing. I don't know if there's any such thing as fine Alabama dirt, but this is Alabama dirt. So, uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Look in chapter 4. Let's look in verse 3. The Lord Jesus, mine's in red letter. The Lord Jesus said, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. So that would be someone in the farming realm that scattered seed. Right? Planted seed. He was a farmer. 
And it came to pass, as he sowed, as he planted seed, some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls, the birds of the air, came and devoured it up. And some of the seed he sowed fell on stony ground, which it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up. You know that if you plant a seed real shallow, it doesn't take but two days for it to get up if it's, if it's moist. I was a farmer. If it's moist and there's sun, if it's got warm temperature, soil temperature, it'll come up in nothing flat. Because it, but, but, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. And I can tell you, if, we, if you plant cotton or, or peanuts too shallow and you don't get right in there with water irrigation, it will, it'll pop up, but then it didn't get the root going down before it popped up. And the sun will get on it, and it'll scorch it before it has a chance to get moisture from the from the root. You got to plant it deeper. But if you plant it too deep, then it it it, it doesn't have enough power to get up to germinate. So you got to get it just right, don't you? And verse seven says, "And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit." Say no fruit, no fruit yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and 100. So here we have a picture of the seed process. Now, y'all know what a seed is. I didn't bring any this morning, but you know what a corn seed looks like. There's 800 uh, kernels of corn on a cob or on an ear, and there's generally two ears on a stalk. But that two ears on the stalk came from one kernel of corn planted in the ground. Is that right? So we got 1,600 kernels, potentially. 18 if you can get three years, but 1,200, uh, 1,600 uh, kernels from one seed. So we see here the fruit is much greater or bigger than the seed. You plant one, you get 1,600. Now, it might not be that way with okra or cucumbers or other things, you might not get that many. But it is that way with corn, and uh, we all know that. Now, what I'm going to remind you of is the seed itself was small, and it did not have the ability within that small seed to produce a huge stalk and to produce two ears of corn. So where did it get the strength or the substance or the material to have all this out of one seed. Well, it didn't produce it itself. The seed managed or administrated the soil. Say dirt. Dirt. The seed had a mechanism inside of it where it administrated the soil. So this right here is a corn of, is an ear of corn. Oh, it's not? I promise you that kernel of corn only had water and sunshine, which are just to make things fluid and work. It, took, it made every single kernel of those 1,600, it made it out of this. Now, I promise you, if I brought a spoon for everybody this morning, you would not be enticed for me to take a big old juicy spoon of dirt out and say, this is corn on the cob. We, we, are, we enjoy it when it comes into season. You will like it. Or we might say, here's this nice Paramount USA orange. Yes, 
Now this came completely, let me remind you, came completely from this. There's no evidence of the seed, the original seed, in this. It stayed. It, it's gone. But the seed administered the soil to produce this. But guess what? The same soil in the same dirt is a carrot. Do you see this carrot in this dirt? You can't see it. I could pass this around. Y'all wouldn't be like communion, the common cup. We could all take a big old bite off of the carrot and pass it around. Oh, we're pretty bizarre here this morning. Hallelujah. But I promise you, if I said it's one of the two, the carrot's in here or the carrot's in here, you'd take the orange thing. Yay, baby. We we'll, we take the orange thing. Look, 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 look. Same dirt, same soil produce this. How could this be in there and the carrot be in there and the orange be in there? It's the seed. The seed managed the soil. So the thing that's seen, the apple, and I could take it and bite it out this morning and find you the seeds for new seeds in here, it all came out of this. There's no other thing. There's an apple in this dirt. Well, I don't see an apple. Well, there's the process. But you got to have a seed. What kind, of, what kind of fruit do you want? you got to put that in the, in the soil. But the soil has an apple in here. There's an apple in this soil. There's a carrot in this soil. There's a pomegranate in this soil. There's a kiwi fruit in this soil. There is a tomato in this soil. This soil has everything that you enjoy in the garden world. Everything. Well, we have tomato soil. No, it's in here. Well, we have, uh, we have uh, broccoli soil. It's here. I can tell you, if you'll give me the seed, I'll bring you the fruit. But you're going to have to give me some time. I'll need 90 days. Well, I need it now. No, we can't just put the seed in here and say, this afternoon, come by and we'll have you, we'll have you some uh, ears of corn. We'll have you some sunny Florida oranges. No, we need time. You know, we need a lot of time for oranges. Are y'all here this morning? We go, well, I, I understand that. I'm not dumb. Why are you treating us like we don't know nothing? This is exactly how faith works. Here's the soil. The seed is the word of God. The seed converts this inedible. Oh, yummy. Mm, let's eat some dirt. You did when you was little. <laughs> so the seed converts this inedible, un palpable dirt into something that we can hardly get enough of. It came out of here and it made this. The seed changed the substance from something that was not pleasing into something that was very pleasing. The seed did it. So when we drive off, we're driving off on oranges and avocados and cucumbers. Oh, you didn't see them? You just didn't have the seed and the time. Amen? Now look in verse 13. So Jesus has told them this parable, and he's told them it's just like a seed. It's a seed. It's a seed. He said, you boys understand seeds, and they're all nodding their heads. Yes, yes, master, we understand the seeds. Verse 13 says, and he said to them, know ye not this parable? the one I just told you about the seed, how then will you know all parables? So right there, he tells us the whole kingdom of God works on the seed time principle. 
Nothing else is in play. Nothing else is going on. This is how the kingdom works. This. Nasty dirt. Can't use it, but it's everywhere. One little seed with some time, some care. You got to guard the weeds. You got to get the rocks off of it. You got to get unbelief out. You got to get, uh, you got to get the things that come up in the process that, that say, oh, this isn't working. Let's dig it up. You got to get that out of that. You got to protect the process. But if you just leave it alone, this will turn into that. And if I wasn't such a messy eater, I'd just bite it for you this morning. But you know how this works. Hallelujah. So let's look in verse 14. He said, uh, the sower soweth the, say it, word. Oh, now he's saying that the word of God is a seed. Oh, well, we know how the seed works because we just heard him say the seed planted in the dirt will produce fruit. Every time, every time. Some conditions aren't as good. Sometimes we dig around it too much. We're always trying to look under there and see if it's coming up, see if it's making progress, and we damage it. So you might only get 30-fold out of that one. But you could get 60. Oh, you could even get 100-fold. Some corn stalks just have one ear. Some have two. Occasionally, you'll get three. We raised cotton. Sometimes you plant one seed and uh, eight pounds to the acre, and you can cultivate it. And if it rains and the sun shines right, you can make uh, 500 pounds to the acre of lint, which is a bale. But uh, my family has made four bales, 2,000 pounds of lint to the acre with the same amount of seed, the same kind of dirt. But they always planted the seed in the dirt. So let's look in verse 20. It says in verse 20, after the same process, he goes through and he says, and these are they which are sown on good ground. Are you good ground this morning, family? Could you be good ground? If we sowed the word, God's word, if we sowed the word into you, would you be good ground? Or would you be like Thomas? Or would you be like the rich young ruler? Or would you be like Judas that says, well, I got to have it this way and that way? No, if you just let the seed go into the soil... The seed will do the work. It'll administrate the fruit. Well, the Bible says that the, the Word of God is incorruptible seed. It does its work. It's not like we got sorry seed. We just made a bale to the acre. We just made uh, uh, 50 pounds of carrots to the acre, whatever they do. Uh, it, he said it is, not, it is not the seed. It's the soil. Oh, you get that uh, North Texas black dirt around Richardson, Texas. Whew, that stuff, when a seed falls into it, it gets after it. But you put it down at El Paso, that same seed, ooh, might be a little tough to get a big harvest. But it's not the seed's fault. It's the soil. So verse 20 says, These are they which are sown on good ground, good ground such as hear the word. Okay, here's the soil got to be soil. What's good soil? Hear the word and receive the word and bring forth. Who's bringing forth? Who's bringing forth? It's my heart. It's my soil right here, the belly, the, the spirit man. I'm the soil for the word, not up here. I can hear and hear and hear, and if it only stays up here, I can't bear anything. Are y'all here? You, you put seed on an aluminum pan and put it out in the sun and say, well, you know, we planted it on a, a sheet of aluminum. 
It's not going to grow. It's got to have moisture. It's got to have care. It's got to have protection. All the things that we put in our heart when we have the Word sown in. We guard it. We don't say, this is not working. This seed's no good. God's Word's no good. It's not working. He, he doesn't tell the truth. His, word, his seed's no good. His Word's no good. Oh, no harvest there, is there? We'd have got to put it in there and say, oh, I'm going to water you every day. I said by his stripes I was healed yesterday. I'm going to say it again today. I'm going to water that Word. I'm going to nurture that Word. And when, when the... When the doctor comes in and said, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. We just, we guard those words from our seed, our soil. And we say, I shall live and not die. Amen? So the Word of God is a seed that converts dead things into fruit. You can have a life that's sick and poor and wretched and criminal and mischievous and, and uh, lawless because you have bad seed sown into you and you nurture that seed. Or you can be converted and put the word of God in that says, uh, uh, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's a harvest there. And once you're born again, then you can just let the Word of God be sown in. But you've got to go to church. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to be in a place where they're not digging up seed all the time. You can't be in a reckless place. You've got to be in a place where there's nurturing of that seed if you want a hundredfold. If you want twofold, well, you can get along with a lot of stuff. But you'll have a life that's barely better than the world. I'm preaching real good this morning, y'all. Come on. This is, this is, this is how it works. Well, I don't agree. It doesn't matter. Well, I don't believe. I, it doesn't matter. I don't want it to be that way. It doesn't matter. It is what God says it is. If you want to be in His kingdom, if you want to operate in the supernatural, you got to do it His way. Well, I want to do it the natural way. I feel more comfortable there. Well, go start a business and work. get up before uh, the sun and then come home after the sun and work your fingers to the bone and have a business. You might be somewhat successful, but it'll be natural. If you took that same effort and put it into the kingdom, where you meditate in his word day and night, you put seed into your soil day and night, and you guard it, and you start getting stuff out that's contrary and deadly and caustic, and you start putting stuff in that's life-giving and full and whole, then that seed will find good ground, and it'll grow up. Well, I don't want a process. I want it now. The new birth is now. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost is now. But everything else is a process. Amen? All right. So uh, you got to sow the seed. you got to sow the seed of what? The Word. Jesus said, listen, John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Then he said, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And then in 1 John uh, John said that uh, as, speaking of the Lord Jesus, listen, listen, this is powerful. As he is, so are we in this world. So if his words were spirit in life, then my words can be spirit in life. Now, I can speak some naughty words. I can speak some unbelieving words. Y'all know those words? I can speak some things that are anti-God and anti-kingdom. So not every word I speak is spirit in life. 
but I can be trained. I can put His Word in and stuff the Word of the world, my past, my experience, my disappointments, my fears. I can pull them out and put God's Word in, and then my words will be spirit and they will be life. So that when I speak to the mountain or I lay hands on the sick, or if I speak to a need, then those words, my words will be spirit and life, and they'll bring forth a harvest. It'll be like I say, because my faith is speaking. So when you have the soil of defeat in you, you got to change your soil. The way you do that is put good seed in. Got to put seed in. Nothing's impossible. Well, my life's impossible. It's never going anywhere. God doesn't like me, and, I, I, and I'm just a poor old miserable me. Well, doubt that you, you'll have that kind of harvest if you keep planting that kind of seed. Parents that told their kids, you'll never amount to anything. I have a special place I'd like to send them. I know you can't, and I, don't, I know that's not right, but I just, I'm mad at them all the time. That teach us, their children, that we have no future. We have a future. It's in Jesus. So I have to plant my faith in the soil of nothing is impossible to him who believes. Where are you going to get that? You've got to get it out of here. There's no other place to get it. Because everybody's going to tell you, you got limits, you got boundaries, you can only go so far. But the Word says you have no boundaries, you have no limits, you can go as far as you want to go in me. And, and here's the cool part, you can go as fast as you want. You want to watch TV all day, you want to run around with the old crowd all day long, you want to read your Bible with the preacher on Sunday, you'll go a little bit, you'll go a little bit, but you might lose everything you go all during the week. You might go up one and come back one. And you, you start over every Sunday. But if you were to put the Word in every day, medit oh, or put it in more than just this one chapter every day, why, you might grow, you might have a soil that when God's Word came in, it would 30, 60, 100 fold. It's not up to God. The God seed will dominate the natural life but you've got to plant it in the soil of your heart. God's not in heaven saying, I've got a plan for you, and it's going to go this way or that way. No, he put a plan in your life, put personality, strengths, wisdom, uh, 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 things in you that are so powerful. The Bible says he sets the members in the body severally as it has pleased him. He put you where he wants you to be and gave you a, a, a gift to go where he wants you to go. But it's up to you. It's not up to God. So when people almost die, and they don't die, but they think they could have and should have, and they say, they say, they say, God must have a plan for me or I would have been dead. <laughs> well, yeah, he's got a plan for everybody. That's, that, that was nothing. That was, just, that was just grace that you didn't die. It wasn't that God saved you from a death that was going one way. He wants to save everybody from death. He wants you and I to, do, to fulfill our course. He wants everybody to go their way. So... What is the contradiction of faith? It is the natural and sense view of life while the seed is in the ground converting the soil. When you speak to the mountain and nothing happened that day, the seed is converting the soil. That corn seed, when the corn's just this tall, it's still converting soil to get it this tall. And it's the next day, it's converting the soil sending it through the roots, you can't see it, to get it this tall and taller. 
There's 10 foot, there's 12 foot corn. And then it, it's converting the soil. It's just making leaves up to that point. But then suddenly there's a little nub. And that nub then grows into a little ear. And that ear grows into a full corn. The word even says the ear, the corn, the corn, the ear, and the full ear in the corn. Doesn't it? It talks about the process of corn. And so suddenly that same dirt, do I need to show you all my dirt? That just made leaves, suddenly this same dirt makes a ear with 800 kernels on it. And you can just like a typewriter, you can just eat across there and then ding and come back and eat across there, three more rows and ding, put some more butter on it, salt it a little bit because it fell off, ding and come back. And suddenly that was good dirt. Was that good dirt? Ah, that was good dirt. Ah, that was good dirt. Ah, we, well, well, we had to have a process to turn this into something like that. Don't be afraid of the process. Plant your seed in your heart. And let God convert the world, the unseen. Let your flour and your sugar and your butter come together and make a beautiful cake. Don't be looking for the natural ways to be the supernatural ways. Look for the ways, like, like I'll do this and it'll be that. Put the word in and the supernatural will happen. Amen. This is powerful. This is who we are. So the contradiction of faith is the time lapse while the seed is converting the situation into what you called for, the fruit in your life. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So anybody in here got good ground? Anybody in here got good ground? Don't we all have good ground? We've got good ground. Anybody in here know what the good seed is? It's the good seed of the Word of God. Well, we've planted some this morning, and you're stronger right now than when you came in. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's wait just a second and see if Holy Ghost has anything. We always want to give place to Him. He's the master of this whole thing. Praise God. I see a uh, something. It seems like it's the right ear. A hard thing in, in an ear, it hurts. It's like an infection. It's real tender in there. And, uh, and it's hard to hear. And I, I see that in there. Is that anybody in here? Well, since we're outside of these walls, we'll just, we'll just speak to it and tell it in the name of Jesus, infection go. I tell swelling to go. And, no, and all damage to the eardrum, because this has been around a while, we tell you to be repaired and restored in Jesus' name. In the ear, we tell you to hear fully and, and even better than before in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And then there's a tooth. Hallelujah. A tooth and a gum. In Jesus' name, I see that thing swollen. I see that thing. It is giving you, old Billy. And in the name of Jesus, I say, gums, be calmed. Inflammation leave in Jesus' name and be restored as the others. So whoever that is, just receive that. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, I want to appreciate you all watching us this morning. And uh, tune in again. We'll continue this. Amen. All right, y'all. Anybody need prayer this morning?
Anybody need prayer? I know we could get some music up and get you some just as I am music and you could you could feel emotional, but really to get it by faith, you just gotta come down when there's no sound and no emotions and just and just suck it up and say, I need prayer, and then you'll get healed. Hey, anybody? Y'all good? Y'all good? Okay. Are you fired up to go get and put the put the seed in? Well, I just did it because he said we needed to. Well, now you got a better reason to put it in because it's working. Amen. I bless you, River Church, by the name of Jesus. And you're coming in and you're going out, you're blessed. And no evil shall befall you. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I say when you travel, when you get in a vehicle, you are, you are protected. You are guarded by the angels in Jesus' name. I say that witty ideas, revelations, plans from heaven fall into your heart. And they will be plans that are goodly. And you will rise up and you will prosper by, by the word of the Lord. I say to you that you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The power of God in you will be transmitted into them that have great need and recovery will be quick and it will be profound. In Jesus' name, I say that you get along with everybody. Everybody that wants a, a touch of God, they will welcome you into their lives and you will have great influence over them. In Jesus' name, amen.